Hello, and welcome to this Speedlisten installment of the Six-Gun Justice Podcast. I'm Richard Prosh. While my saddle pard Paul Bishop and I ride the trail together for our longer episodes, Speed Listens are occasional short podcast installments wherein we ride solo. Today I'll be tracking 10 favorite Western short stories. Long before David Letterman made top 10 lists, literature fans shared, discussed, and argued about which of their favorite authors, books, and stories were the best. That word, best, causes a lot of problems. Whether you think art is objective, that there truly is a best and a worst, or if you believe it's all in the eye of the beholder, one thing is for sure, I'm not going to put myself in the middle of it. Not because I'm unsure, I mean, I like what I like, or because I'm easily swayed, though I am open to being convinced. Rather, I think that when we're talking 10 best Western short stories, there's too much context for such a simple designation. Top 10 traditional stories? Top 10 pulps? Top 10 historicals. Do we need to take the cream of the crop of 10 such stories and compile a list? How would you figure out the best? What about contemporary westerns? Juvenile westerns? Well, you get the idea. All of that is to say that having spent quite a few decades reading, writing, and enjoying the short story format above all others, this is where my western list sits right now. A few years back, it was different. A few years from now, I can guarantee you it will change. That said, the stories that follow are ranked from lowest to highest, with number one being my current favorite. I've based my decisions not just on overall reading enjoyment, but literary merit as I see it, and where the story sits currently with my peers. That's not to say the list isn't highly personal. I can recognize an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, the 1909 highly anthologized tale by Ambrose Bierce, is good, solid work that's been highly valued by readers for more than a century. I just don't happen to like it much, so it doesn't make the list. Fair enough? Okay, let's get started with number 10. When You Carry the Star by Ernest Haycox from the 1952 collection Murder on the Frontier comes a manhunt story. Sheriff Henry Linza has to track down an old friend, Will Denton, who killed a man while robbing a bank. In the wilderness outside the town of Bonita, Haycox explores loyalty and human nature through Linza's eyes. Linza hunts down Denton because it's what he does and what you have to do when you carry the star. And Denton knows it too. A shoot-em-up for sure, but one with good stuff going on in the background. In the same vein, Frank Gruber's Town Tamer, 1957, is a traditional lawman yarn with some heavy philosophical leanings. Gruber called it his best short story and developed it into a novel the following year and a screenplay in 1965. Herein, Buchanan Smith is called to the Kansas town of Broken Lance to clean things up. See, the place is being run by a boss called Long Jack and a gunny named Breed. The help and hindrance from the town folk is what makes Smith's story unique and I was surprised how much I enjoyed watching the simple premise play out. Nobody handles so many characters in so few pages with such clarity as Gruber. Number eight is a contemporary story, much anthologized and far away from the traditional cowboy stories just mentioned. It's Leslie Marmon Silko's The Man to Send Rain Clouds from 1969. Here's a nearly perfect contemporary Native American-based Western classic that I read every year or two and find something new each time. The death of old Teofilo, how it affects his people and the local Franciscan Catholic Church is still a perfect exploration on the complexities of faith and culture 50 years after its debut. If you don't understand this story, you don't really understand the West. 7. Frank Bonham wrote Burn Him Out for Argosy in 1949, and it's the first of two man-versus-nature stories on my list. Rancher Will Sterrett and his neighbors are under attack by a horde of hungry grasshoppers, and big man, Cowper, and his foreman, Bill Hamp, 
are all for torching the land, starting with what belongs to other men. More than once, Bonham stands by his theme of the sanctity of the individual above the mob. More than once, Starrett ruminates out loud or to himself what it means to own and work a piece of land. And Bonham contrasts that with folks who simply don't comprehend the enormity of the proposition. There's a lot more going on here than just a simple action yarn, but there's plenty of action too. Number six is the oldest story on my list, Bret Hart's The Luck of Roaring Camp from 1870. If you don't know it, hop on the web where you can find it for free at various locations. It's one of those genius-level stories where one sentence says it all. The rough-and-tumble men of a raucous mining camp become the godfathers of an orphan infant. It's that simple and that complex. One of the earliest westerns to be brought to the screen, it was filmed in 1911 and 1917, with a bigger-budget film in 1937 and a TV adaptation in 1954. We're halfway. Number five. Another contemporary piece, this one by Larry McMurtry set against his hyper-realistic Texas backdrop that would later become so famous with The Last Picture Show. Published in Texas Quarterly in 1964, the story is called There Will Be Peace in Korea and tells the story of the narrator Sonny and his friend Bud traveling to and from Fort Worth from their small town in the night before Bud has to report for military duty in Korea. Though it takes place a couple decades before my own high school days in Nebraska, the similarities in tone and theme are so powerful. The sense of driving across the West to experience real life, to get out of town just for one night. Every time I read it, I feel transported back to that era of excitement and despair. And I do reread it often. Number four is the much-adapted James Warner Bella military classic Command, a dense story that first found a home in the Saturday Evening Post in 1946. The basis for at least two movies, She Wore a Yellow Ribbon and The Thunder of Drums, as well as radio and television adaptations, it's as near-perfect a cavalry story as you can get, with a tough-as-boot-leather Captain Brittles and underlings Utterback and Cohill anticipating a Comanche attack on the open plain. Paul and I discussed this one at some length in a recent episode of our Six-Gun Justice podcast, so I'll move on to my top three. A Man Called Horse by Dorothy Johnson was originally published in Collier's Magazine, 1950, then reprinted three years later in her book, Indian Country. A few years after that, it was adapted for Wagon Train, and then into a feature film in 1970 starring Richard Harris. Johnson explores the clash of European and Native cultures with a fascinating narrative of a Boston aristocrat who is enslaved by Native Americans, but who eventually becomes a respected member of the tribe. It's a short, tight tour de force that everybody should read, not only Western fans. Number two is Man vs. Nature again, with Jack London's 1908 cautionary tale, To Build a Fire. Two things make this Yukon adventure great. First, and I'm sorry if this is a spoiler for you, but in this one the dog does not die. Something I'm convinced would have happened in a lesser writer's contemporary hands. But far more than that. The complexities of the nameless protagonist character make me root for the guy one minute and wish for his timely demise the next. His smarts, his stupidity, his outdoor craft, and his arrogance all come into play. The perfect representation for all of us, of all of humanity, as we dare confront the enormity of nature. My number one story tells you more about me than I can tell you about the story. My current favorite is The Bride Comes to Yellow Sky by Stephen Crane. Originally published in McClure's Magazine in 1898, it tells the humorous story of a middle-aged sheriff, Jack Potter, 
who carries his not-so-pretty bride home to the frontier town of Yellow Sky, only to face his drunken nemesis Scratchy Wilson once again. Everything I want in a story is here. From rich, illustrative descriptions to perfect characterizations built on dialogue and action. I've loved this story since the first time I read it back in high school, and no doubt it will remain near the top of my top ten for the rest of my life. Thanks for listening to this exclusive Speed Listen installment of the Six Gun Justice podcast. Drop me a line sometime at sixgunjusticewesterns at gmail.com and let me know what titles are in your favorite Western Top Ten. Remember to check out the Six Gun Justice website at www.sixgunjustice.com for regularly updated reviews, articles, and interviews from the best of the Western wordslingers. You can follow the Six Gun Justice podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks to our sponsors, author Chris Enns, the Western Writers of America, and Wolfpack Publishing. Till next time, be kind to one another, be kind to yourself, and keep your eyes on the Western horizon. Adios. (laughs) 